Three call for here and go down the side. They do. Stock's got it. He's got running room. Stockton, drive, hang it up. It's good. It's good. But Jones win it. But Jones win it. Welcome back to Barton's Breakdown. It has been a prolonged period of time since our last episode recording. We apologize for that. There have been a lot of things going on. and uh, It's been a minute. It's been busy. <laughs> to say the least, we apologize. Although, good news on the gear front. First two Barton's Breakdown official t-shirts are out on the market. Um, Dane is the proud owner of one and then um shout out carl but i accidentally sent him his shirt to the wrong address so got to do that one over again but there's now two open so there will be more ready locked and loaded soon sweet shirts so um man a lot of things have happened um last time we recorded an episode was right before the all-star break in february (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's been about two, two and a half months. Um, obviously, the Jazz went on a heck of a run to end the season. Donovan Mitchell won the dunk contest. Um, if you've been living under a rock, you have not noticed that the Jazz are one of the best teams in the league. I believe we ended up 29-6 and six the last 35 games of the year. Um and then wound up playing the Thunder the first round of the playoffs, five seed, four seed. And I think, for for me at least, that was a team that I was kind of worried about, the Thunder, just because of the aggression that Russ plays with and how good Paul George can be. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, all the local people, um, I think all the national people, not all, but most people were – really picking the jazz to lose in five games. Um, I heard some, I heard some generous people locally who are saying the jazz could take them to seven games, but, and I think the jazz heard some of that stuff and, and responded. But I think that was, I mean, there was no question about who the better team was in all in, you know, in reality that that series should have been closed out in five games. Um, And that was, for the most part, a pretty lopsided series. And what was crazy, I mean, going into it, you really never know, right? We have a, a young team. I realize we went to the second round last year, but Gordon's obviously gone, and we've got a rookie in charge. So going into the series, it's kind of like, okay, we had a nice run in the regular season, but let's see, I guess, if we're legit. And, I mean, Paul George went off that first game. I think he had, like, 11 threes or something like that. But the Jazz really just put in work after that. It was it was fun to watch. They – did we – let's see. We won three in a row after that first one. So it was 3-1 after yeah. that before, uh, before the 25-point <laughs> collapse, which, looking back, might have been a good thing for us to experience that in a series that we knew we would still win. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I don't know. I was very pleased with the effort. For, for for pretty much the entire series it was it was fun to watch um it was a there were you know we definitely had some some good individual performances in that series donovan mitchell had some great moments 
Um, but all in all, it was. Re- I think there was a nice team effort. Um, Dante had one game where he really made a difference. Rudy had some games where he really contributed visibly. Favors had some great games. Um, Rubio had a couple of games really great back-to-back there. Um, Triple-double. One game and had Russ calling him out and still almost got a triple-double. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was really... I thought it was a really good showing for the whole team and and the coaching staff seemed like they had them prepared, making adjustments. On on the flip side, I mean, who would want to be Russell Westbrook's teammate if you're like a if you're a, you know, like a a premier player? Like why would you want to be on his team? The dude took 82 shots in the last two games. 43 shots the last game. I think he was like 19 for 43 or something like that. Something like that, yeah. I mean, it's Insane. crazy. And he's not taking good shots either. It's a run down the court, pull up three, and he's shooting like 30% from three. Crazy. Yeah. And I was I was surprised. I shouldn't say surprised, but I was pleased to see that our game plan really worked. Um, OKC, obviously pushed by Russ. He's the guy who gets to the hole and creates for everybody else by his driving kicks. And the screens that they do up top with Adams and uh, with Adams and Russ and Rudy honestly just took away the paint. The paint was non-existent. There was that one game where Rudy has had foul trouble, and that's when Russ really got going. And you could really see just how big Rudy's impact is on the game. Because defensively, it's a little bit harder to see just exactly what he does. But pretty much every shot that's going up inside of the paint. He's either affecting it or blocking it. And dudes are constantly thinking about it, constantly having to pass out of there. He really is maybe the MVP of the team just for the defense and just how it allows everybody else to play. Yeah, he definitely was uh, you know, a huge factor in that. And I, I really think that, as you said, when he went out with foul trouble in whatever game, was that game five? Uh, no, was that game five? I think it, I think it, I think it was game yeah. five. It was the comeback where they yeah, came back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just completely opened everything up for Russ to get all his momentum and get confidence going to the hoop, and then start hitting those longer shots, um, which I think almost all the time we're more than happy to let him take because somebody who shoots twenty nine percent on the season, we're going to give him those shots all day long. Absolutely. Um, especially when they're contested, and he was taking some contested shots. Um, but again, I think a great team effort. Um, I think I know the votes have been cast, but there should be no question in anybody's mind that Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year. Um, he missed 26 games. Kawhi missed 18 games a couple years ago and still won defensive player of the year. I don't think that should be a limiting factor. He is he is changing, you know, like you said, almost every shot. And if he's and if the ball isn't going into the paint, you know, if they're settling for outside shots, it's because Ruby Rudy is in there. You know, he's he's an intimidating presence. People don't want to go in there. He really is. He really truly is. It was fun to watch. And like you said, I don't know. Russ might be on his own next year. Uh, Carmelo was a joke, by the way. At me, Carmelo. But um, PG's out of there for sure, and I like. You Adams, think so, huh? But I don't think they'll be. Oh, for sure. There's no way he stays again. No way. 
I, I, I would. But, uh, I'm kind of fifty fifty on him. Melo's gone. I, I'm sure they don't want him back. He doesn't want to be back there. What? No, 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 no. Melo is staying. Melo has a twenty-eight million dollar player option this year, and no one else is giving Carmelo Anthony twenty-eight. Million. Dude, they won't even start him next year. Yeah, for sure. And he said, "I'm not coming off the bench, bruh." You're not getting a job anywhere else. If he's if his name was not Carmelo Anthony, he would not be in the league. He's awful. He's not on the Thunder next year. <clears throat> you heard it here first. All right, we'll see. We'll see. I think I think Paul uh, George maybe, but I don't know. I mean, it's Stephen Adams and Russell Westbrook are a good combo, and it seems like Stephen Adams is more than happy to defer and you know, and he's he's a good player. When he when it was him and Rudy one on one. He scored a lot of the time. He's got a good touch. He's got great hands. He's very strong. He's a good rebounder. He, he's, he's quiet. He just yeah. He's like he's it. he seems uh, like he's he, he's a good passer. But um, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know. I think Russell Westbrook getting to the finals that one year, whatever, like twenty thirteen with Kevin Durant when they lost to the Heat. I think that was probably that dude's only trip to the finals if he keeps this up because nobody's going to want to play with him. Speaking of the Thunder, do you think Paul George regrets having or telling Donovan Mitchell to go to the league? <laughs> Maybe. Donovan cooked him a couple of times. That spin move. I mean, he and Chris Paul are – Reportedly responsible for pushing Donovan Mitchell to go in the NBA instead of staying for another year. And Donovan outs, kicks him out in the first round, and now is playing Chris Paul to do the same thing. So, hmm. Maybe a little bit of regret for Thank you, Paul George. (laughs) And he's been incredible. Donovan has exceeded expectations in every facet of the game. He is unbelievable right now. He's playing like an all-star, 100%. His last, let's see, his last five games, 33, 23, 38, 21, and then yesterday he was they only had 17 but with 11 assists. The dude is playing out of his mind. Yeah, he is, um, I mean, wow. I mean, they always show all those graphics during the games. You know, he's like the – whatever it he took it took him eight games to score 200 points or whatever and there's only two people to ever do it faster than him in the playoffs obviously and kareem was one of them and was it elgin baylor was the other one or i I mean he phenomenal is i just i don't think i'm looking at his playoff stats right now 38 and a half minutes a game 43 and a half percent field goals um He's shooting 32% from three, lower than his season average. He's shooting 90% from the free throw line, which is 10% higher than his season average. 26.1 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, four assists per game, half a block per game. So his his free throws are up 10%. His points per game are up six points per game. He's got two more, almost three more assists per game. Sorry, excuse me, three more rebounds per game and then like half an assist more per game. Um, and he's doing it all on national TV. Talk baby. about rising Donovan to the occasion. Takeover, taking over. Yeah. Um. What a what a fun thing to watch, though. I mean that game. That's. I mean, how could we not talk about that third quarter he had against the Thunder? Um. 
five for six for three. Holy cow! The, I, I mean that the first thing that came to my mind was that game that LeBron had against the Pistons in the playoffs. Um, yeah, where he scored like twenty five points in a row, and I think that game went into overtime. But I mean that was that was the that was the first comparison that I was thinking like this is complete domination, a complete takeover by a rookie. Took the game over. Just, and just hustling, too. Wow. That was fun to watch. I would love to watch one of those happen again. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, the other thing I wanted to quickly mention was, I think my favorite subplot of the whole first round series was Joe Ingles versus Paul George. Actually, it was Joe Ingles versus the entire Oklahoma City Thunder. Because he was... <laughs> He was trying to get everyone he was guarding or who was guarding him angry every single play. <laughs> and it got him out of his game a few times till he learned to play with it. He was in his own head for a little bit, especially when PG was putting up numbers. But he definitely came back with some strong games there to, to close it out. I thought that was hilarious. I love that. Um, so <clears throat> I had one of my friends um, ask me today an interesting question. Um, I have a text thread running with Matt and Brady and Brady, I got a text around dinner time, just totally random question. Would you trade Donovan Mitchell for Gordon Hayward? How would you answer that question? No way. Not even close there. This dude's a rookie, right? <coughs> Gordon's averaging, I think 22 points a game before he got injured, something like that. And it's his seventh year in the league, eighth year, something around there. Donovan's a rookie, had way more difficulty, had a lot more put on his plate from the very beginning, and he's owned up to it. He will be one of the all-time greats if he keeps up on this pace with as far as jazz history. And uh, Gordon, we we don't really need him. Um, I think if he would have been there, uh, I don't think Donovan would be the player that he is because Donovan's had to do it all on his own. So I have no ill will towards Gordon Hayward. Hayward, have no interest in him. Go do your thing with the Celtics, and we'll see you in the finals. Um, I I had a similar response, you know, just no. And I remember seeing a post back in the beginning of March that compared Donovan Mitchell's stats up to that point to Gordon Hayward's sixth season stats. And so um, – just to kind of breeze through that, I don't want to get too caught up in the numbers, but as a sixth-year player when he was 25 years old, um, so this was the year before he was an all-star with the Jazz, Gordon Hayward was scoring 19.7 points a game. He had 3.7 assists a game. He had five rebounds a game, 1.2 steals. Okay, shooting 82% from the free-throw line. Shooting... 43% from the field and almost 35% from three. Those are, those are good numbers. His, his all-star year, he, he really bumped those up, you know, a, a noticeable amount. And obviously, you know, we had, a, we had a good year last year and, and Gordon had a, a nice season for himself. Donovan Mitchell's rookie year stats, 20 and a half points a game, one and a half steals per game. Gordon Hayward's never done that in his career. 3.7 assists, 3.7 rebounds. 80% from the free throw line. Um, he's shooting 43.7% from the field. 
34% from three. In a lot of ways, those numbers are almost the same, and in some cases, better. So his overall field goal percentage is better. His three-point field goal percentage is a little bit lower. His free throw percentage is, is a little bit lower. Exact same numbers of assists. I mean, scoring more points. Um, and it took him, you know, it took him one year to, to hit those marks. Um, it took Gordon. And granted, circumstances were different. You know, Donovan Mitchell got thrown in right from the beginning. Yeah, situations are different, but Donovan is just electric to watch too. He's putting on highlight dunks. No he's, question he's about it. Throwing alley oops. It's just that there's something else about him. He's a dog too. He gets in fights like he. The dude's got everything you're looking for in a basketball player, and he's a rookie. No, no yeah, I I just think it's a very interesting thing to think like, hey, you know what? What is Donovan Mitchell going to look like in year three? You know. Um, I mean, it's exciting. We've got definitely, you know, a young star in the making, and hopefully he continues to improve. I mean, if I, th- if I thought I could see one thing for him to improve on would, you know, be maybe a little bit of the shot selection because he would hit a higher – I think he'd have a much higher percentage of his shots going in. Um, but even, it's, even then, it's hard to criticize him there. I, I think I've just been so impressed – like everyone else around here. Um, but yeah, I think an interesting question. Um, and I think almost, I think there'd be very few people in the jazz, uh, in the jazz fan group who, uh, who would, who would say that they would prefer to have Hayward at this point over Donovan Mitchell. Last point about the, uh, the Oklahoma city, this series, uh, it's hard to under uh, estimate or uh, understate just how important Jay Crowder was in that series. And there were a few nights where he wasn't shooting well. I think he had one night where he had a career high. I think it was the night that they, that we lost in the comeback. Um, but the dude's just a physical dude. He's a leader. He's been in some, some tough playoff situations before. And he brings this this mentality, this gritty mentality of he's going to fight you. He's going to scrap with you. He'll talk smack to you. Anything that needs to happen for the team to win. And I think the rest of the team saw that and how he was bodying people up and diving on the floor and copied it. And for a young guy like Donovan, his first year in the league, it was super interesting for me to see him yesterday. Him and PJ Tucker got in a, in a, wrestling match over the ball and Donovan didn't back down at all in fact Donovan ripped the ball out and PJ Tucker's known to be like a kind of like Lance Stevenson like a troll and always trying to bug people and in people's face all the time and I loved how Donovan taking the cue from Jay really just didn't back down at all stood his ground and got right back in the guy's face I I really appreciate that yeah that's been I think a, a nice thing to see and I I like that that you know tough tough mentality and um you know not backing down and i i think that in some ways people thought throughout the year that this was a soft team that would back down and i and i don't think that that was really ever the case um and i think donovan mitchell had some of that in him before jay crowder got traded to us i just think that you know that's been a nice thing to 
supplement, you know, and add to his presence on the team. And yeah, he's had some, he's had some bad shooting nights. He really has, but you know, in the playoffs, I think he's, I think he's made some big shots for us. Um, and you know, it's, I, I think it, I mean, look at the trade. Rodney Hood is doing the exact same stuff in Cleveland that he was doing here. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the outcome of the trade. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that grit has really been a theme of the playoffs. Um, not just in the OKC series, but this one as well. We've had some tough positions. We've gotten blown out in both game ones, and we've come back to win both game twos. Just a lot of heart in this team. Um, no quit, for sure. And they're not scared, which I really, really like. They're, uh, what are some of the other themes you've noticed so far? Um, yeah, I agree with those. And I, I think that this is a team who you know, for the most part seems to respond well to challenges and adversity. Um, if you look at, you know, the, the, the game that we won last night against the Rockets, we were up by 19 points and they went on a big run and it was, it was hard to watch again, almost like when we fell apart against the thunder, but, but we'd already gone through that once and these guys you know the run still happened, and the and the Thunder. I think we're ahead by five or six points after that, and we just continue to battle. And can and you know shots are gonna fall, and and we're gonna get our rhythm back. And I I really like that. And you know obviously we won the game, and we won by how much did we win by eight or twelve? Um, yeah, one sixteen, one oh eight, or something. Like that. So <clears throat> I mean, I I think that's a nice thing, and I also think that this seems like a very a cohesive team. Things didn't change in the playoffs from the regular season. Like this was still the same group of guys and it wasn't like we had one guy who was just like, Oh, this is playoff time. This is all on me. We just kept doing the same thing we've been doing the whole time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the coaches and the system that they've put in and, and the, you know, the trust the players have in each other. And it's, it seems like a really good group. Um, but yeah, I think they respond well. I think they're confident and I think they're I think they're well coached and I think Quinn and his staff do a really nice job making adjustments. And one of those adjustments that's been so crucial to us winning has been the increased role of uh Alec Burks coming off the bench. This is a guy who really <laughs> He had a lot of did not plays next to his name the last half of the season. He just got his time, his playing time eaten up by uh, Jay and um, uh, Royce. And Dante Exum came back too. Yeah, he's just gotten his playing time taken away. And he hasn't really performed in the time that he's gotten. But man, he came out and came out swinging when he needed to. He's played really well the last few games. He has. It's, It's kind of, it's fun to watch. I mean, he's been a guy who... I think all jazz fans have have always kind of been excited about, but he had, you know, those two injuries that really took him out for a while and slow recoveries and just wasn't quite the same. And, um, you know, watching him, I think it was the third or fourth quarter last night when he got that outlet pass and the, at the opposite free throw line on the, on the left side and just motored it up the floor and blew right past the defense and took it all the way to the rack I mean, that's 
that's what he's good at. He's a fast guy. He's very athletic. He's definitely not the best shooter, but he's very creative and he's got great body control and he can finish at the rim. Um, you know, I thought that was, I thought that was fun to watch and, and good for him. Um, you know, to have a, it's been a long time coming for him. You know, it's been like three and a half years coming and good for him. Um, I hope he continues to play that way. That would be huge for us to have that presence off the bench. And I'm not all that surprised because it seems, at least from my vantage point, that it seems like Quinn has always had a good relationship with Burks and been more than, and trusts him enough to anytime throw him in, you know, hasn't played for four games in a row, throw him right in the mix at a crucial point in a game and expect him to make a play. Didn't get any significant playing time until game seven against OKC, or sorry, game seven, the closeout game, game six against OKC, where he had 11 points off the bench in 17 minutes. Yesterday he had 22 minutes and had 17 points, seven for 11. And he really scored a few times where we needed somebody to score because the Rockets were coming back. Really happy for him. Um, still a bit of a disappointment so far this year for him, but I'm really impressed that he managed to come off the bench like that after not playing and uh, play like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, just, yeah, it's he was fun to watch last night. I thought probably the, one of the biggest plays he had last night was that uh, three-pointer he hit in the right corner. That was That was a big play that we needed him for right there. Yeah. For sure, and you know who else hit a couple of those threes in the corners? Uh, Dante Exum. Yeah, he was wow. It's I was waiting. I I mentioned earlier he had that great game against Oklahoma City. This is an athletic guy, long arms. He can jump. He's really fast with the ball. He's had you know a tendency in the past to turn it over. Yeah, he's too fast. He, he, yeah, I think I think he is, and I think he's still finding. You know, he's still kind of getting getting used to being back and um and he you know he has no playoff experience really i mean just a little bit but i mean it's uh, yeah those were two huge shots and that dunk oh my goodness <laughs> incredible dunk him and donovan both of them yep and it makes me wonder for the future how donovan and dante will kind of work out how that'll uh how all those pieces will fit because they're both really exciting young guys, you know, and obviously Donovan's a lot more consistent than Dante, but Dante sure has flashed, you know, at times. And he's had so many tough breaks, you never really know what his ceiling is, you know, you never know who he is, really. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Donovan and Dante will fit in and how Ricky Rubio will fit in with that. How do you think they're going to make it work? Yeah, good question. I mean, I remember we went to the Grizzlies game at the very end of the year this season with Dad, and uh, man, Dante had a great, what do you have, like 21, 22 points, something like that, and shot a really good percentage, Um, and he was just, you know, he was just flying up and down the floor. Um, So fun to watch. I I agree. He's definitely flashed, and we took him with the fifth pick. I I think the Jazz are, you know, I think they see potential in him and they, you know, they want to give him a shot. Hopefully he can stay healthy. So just looking at the contract situation, first of all, so Dante is a restricted free agent. Um, let's see, after after next year, I believe. Ricky Rubio is an unrestricted free agent after next year. So next year we're paying Ricky fourteen point eight million, and we're paying Dante four point three million. 
Um, so, I mean, I think that I definitely think, you know, they're going to, I think they'll make an effort to re-sign Dante and, and pay him more, I would imagine. Um, I think there's, I really do think there's room for all three of them. Ricky Rubio has exceeded all of my expectations. Um, you know, he is, he has been, it, you know, in, in my eyes, he came out really hot at the beginning of the year, had some, had some really fun games to watch and played really well. And then he kind of hit that rough patch. I think everybody was kind of like, uh, did we make a, you know, did we make a bad pickup with this guy? And after that, especially that second half of the season, really just played amazing basketball and he was playing great in the playoffs too. And I think it's, I think it's very noticeable when he's not in there now, when the offensive sets, you know, there's a lot of standing around, there's a lot of running around on the perimeter and he's a, he does a good job directing the offense. And I think he's a, I would love to resign Ricky Rubio. If he has another, like next year, if he comes back and, you know, is doing what he was doing this year, I would love to resign that guy. I, I think that'd be I, great. I think he loves Utah because we're the first place that's really gave him a place to fit in. He's really fit in here where he never did in Minnesota, you know? Yeah. I think I think that's something that's really attractive to him, and obviously the team's playing well. We were meshing really, really well, and so I, I think we need to get them all back if we can as far as Dante and Rubio. Um, Dante's going to have to take a back seat for the time being just because Rubio is playing so well. But it should always be a possibility that if Dante just ups his game that much, that he take this takes the spot. It's not a guarantee, obviously. This is uh, this is the NBA. It's professional. So I, I I look forward to seeing how they they make it work. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, because they're all playing. Well. Yeah, and I I think I don't think I don't think Dante Exum is ready to be a starting point guard on a team that's going to make a deep run in the playoffs yet. He's just he's just not, you know. He's he's still really rough around the edges, but he's got some really nice skills. And if all he ever ends up being for us is a is a is a really solid backup point guard, I mean, you know, who knows, but he definitely is an exciting player. I just I would love to keep Ricky Rubio around. I think it's nice because that lets Donovan, you know, kind of stay out of the focus when he's not bringing the ball up the floor every time. Um, and yeah. which makes what he's doing even more remarkable when he's the focal point, bringing the ball up the floor and still making huge plays for others and himself. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. So let's take a little break here on the jazz and, uh, talk NBA playoffs in general. I think one of the, uh, interesting things that has happened is, um, everybody saw LeBron's Cavs get pushed almost to elimination. Got got to Game Seven the first time he's ever had to go to Game Seven in Round One against the Pacers, and it's pretty obvious that the Cavs are a really mediocre team. But LeBron is playing out of his brain right now. LeBron James is showing why he's the the best player in the league and arguably the greatest player of all time. He is unreal. Uh, in all of the wins that they had against uh, Indiana in that first round that went to seven, he scored over 40 points. He came out for like two minutes a game maybe, uh, getting absolutely no help whatsoever from anybody else on the team. Uh, the dude is literally putting the team on his back. Uh, tonight he had another insane game against Toronto 
who he owns, by the way. It was it was interesting to watch because the Pacers were a tough matchup for LeBron and the Cavs, but for some reason, LeBron owns Toronto. Maybe he owns the whole country of, of Canada. I don't know, but the dude just beats Toronto every time. I think that's eight straight wins against Toronto teams right now. The dude <coughs> is unreal. He really is, and just here here's a quick... I know I'm going to a lot of stats, but this is remarkable. So this year, and I don't think this counts tonight's stats in his game, but uh, or in his in his line. But so this year in the playoffs, 41, almost 42 minutes a game, almost 30, almost 35 points a game. He is, let's see, 55 percent from the floor. I mean, and 9.9 rebounds, nine assists. The the plays that he is making are unreal. And in that Pacers series, you're right, he had almost zero help. Tonight when they, you know, they clobbered the Raptors to win game two, uh, Kevin Love had a big game. How far do you think the Cavs are going to make it this year? Man, I truly thought they would lose that first round after it got to uh, 2-1. But um, LeBron owns Toronto, like I said. I think that if... They get into the Eastern Conference Finals and they play the Celtics. Uh, they have a good chance of, of winning. They really do. And I think the Celtics are now up 2-0. <sighs> Man, I didn't believe it when the when the playoffs started, but it looks like LeBron might be making his eighth straight trip to the finals. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it, it sure does. Um, I didn't think they would make it to the finals this year. I think uh... – I don't know. I think they take care of Toronto in five or six games. I don't think it goes to game seven. Um, the Sixers and the Celtics are, you know, I think that's an interesting series. Before that series started, I was thinking, man, the Sixers are a young team with some exciting names, some good talent. Um, I would I would think that they should win this series. I mean, the Celtics don't have Hayward and Kyrie Irving. You know, they're two of their starters. Or Jalen Brown. Um, and they're up two zip. Um, and they were down by like 20-something tonight and still came back to win. Um, so I think, I think personally, I think if uh, if the Celtics pull this, uh, pull this one out against the Sixers, I think LeBron has a better chance of beating the Celtics than he does the Sixers. Um, I think Joel Embiid is a problem for the Cavs. So I th- it, yeah, because if, he takes he eats Tristan for Tristan Thompson for lunch. If so, I guess bottom line for me is if uh, if it's Cavs versus Celtics, I think LeBron's got a pretty good chance of making the finals. I mean, definitely nothing's guaranteed because the Cavs are that bad. And if he has, you know, not if he doesn't have like an a historic or incredible night almost every single night. They're just not going to win. Um, if it's Cavs Sixers, I think Sixers are going to the finals, which is so bad to say because the Sixers probably wouldn't even make it out of the first round in the West. That's what I'm saying. If the Jazz are in the East, we're going to the finals, baby. I promise you. We're putting the team, the whole conference on our back and going to the finals. But I mean, yeah, I think a lot of places you read now, the Jazz – even before the playoffs started, the Jazz were the third best team on people's list. And it went, it went, you know, Houston or Golden State. People had those mixed up between one and two. And then the Jazz. And that was not just the Western Conference. That was the whole league. 
Um, the Jazz are a good team. They are, you know, they are still, I think, going to have struggles that maybe some of these elite level teams who have been playing well together for a couple of years or or who have like a superstar player like James Harden, you know, that's a, that's a little bit different. I think the Jazz are still going to have struggles and, but yeah, they are, they're a really good team. So do you think the Jazz can then beat the Rockets? Oh man, I don't like that question. (laughs) It's a really tough question because going into this, Right after game one, the Rockets had won all five games this year against us by double digits. Yeah, I mean, right? like it, it just seemed like there was no shot. And then we played like we did yesterday, and it's like, what is happening? Like, are we? Are, is this us right now? Like, what's happening? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think we win this series. I just, I don't. Um, of course, I want them to. I just. James Harden is going to be the MVP, and he's the MVP for a reason. Chris Paul is a great player on that team. Clint, Clint Capella is a really good player. Um, and then they have a bunch of role guys. And this is a team who's taken more three-point shots than any other team in the history of the NBA this season. Um, and when they're on, that is just – those are daggers. We were up – I think we are up by like 15 or 20 one of those games in the regular season in the third quarter, and we ended up losing by like 21 points because they just went on a tear and were just so hot from three. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think this is probably a series we win two games in. Um you know, and I'm sure this is this. I don't think the Jazz are out there just playing for pride and and playing to make you know make a statement. The Jazz are obviously playing to win this series, and I hope they believe. I hope they believe that they can win this series. I just, you know, I just, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be four two Rockets. Yeah, I think it's a tough one to to win too. Um, we played really well yesterday, and now we're going into uh, the games in Utah. I'd like to think we'll have some home court advantage, you know. But uh, the Rockets are no joke. They're they're legit. I have them beating uh, Golden State in the West and taking the championship this year. They're, they are no joke. Um, That's bold. Uh, hey, man. The Warriors need to be dethroned, and the Rockets have been custom made for this, so I hope that it works. But most of all, I hope that the Jazz win because then we'll smash the Warriors. We don't care about the Warriors. But anyways, um, keys for game three. Uh, just mentioned one of them, from me at least. The hometown crowd has to, to come out and, and be loud. I really, really hope we're in people's faces and, and being a distraction at least. Um, secondly, I think we still need to limit their, their three-point production, like you just said. Uh, last game, they ended up being 10 for 37, which is 27%. Uh, it's going to be tough to hold them to something like that, but if we could hold them well under, like, I don't know, like, if we were around 30%, that would be a win for us. Uh, and the key, of course, is getting up on those guards and not letting Harden get uh, get any uh, anything going to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I like those. I think those are good points. I think... You know the Jazz have done a pretty good job for the for most of the year when Rudy Gobert has been healthy of defending the three point line. This is this is not 
every other team in the league that we're playing right now. But, um, you know, I look at some of these things as not things that we have to keep them from doing, but things that we need to keep doing ourselves. And, and one of them is hit three-point shots. I think if we hit 15, 16 three-point shots tomorrow, we're in the game. Another thing yeah. is we have shot a very poor percentage from the free throw line in both of these games. You know, if we could be closer to like 70, 75% instead of hovering right around 60, <laughs> that's a that's a big deal. Um, you know, make your free throws. For sure. Um, For sure. And then you know, I think it. I think it. I think. Uh, I think it helped for our guys to kind of get Harden in foul trouble a little bit last game. I don't think that that was as big as a factor as when Russell Westbrook got four fouls in the first half in the last series. But I mean, you know, he had whatever it was four fouls going to the bench with you know two three minutes left in the third quarter. He played a little bit differently, and you know he he didn't have his regular great game. Um, you know, he still made some plays and dude can get to the hoop on anyone um i i would love to see rudy gobert just knock him on the floor and block his shots you know it's it's a tough thing to do because harden has great body control and great ball control in the air he is a magician but those would be my things you know make 15 to 16 three-pointers make some free throws and somehow rattle harden i mean Chris Paul, Chris yeah, Paul is those. not going to beat us by himself. He didn't do it last year. He he didn't, and he I don't think he can. So if we can somehow rattle Harden, you know, and keep him from having his regular game, whatever that is, you know, getting him in foul trouble, let Ingles get in his head, let Dante Exum step up and be a man and guard him again. I think I think James Harden had two points when uh, the whole night when Dante Exum was guarding him. Yeah, he, Dante was locked down. And I think even if he scores a lot of points, and it's pretty much a guarantee he's going to score a lot of points, right? James Harden puts points up. Everybody knows that. But if we can have him score those points on a lot more shots than usual, like in the high 20s or 30s, and he's still only scoring 30 points, that's really how you know you're playing the Rockets well. Because he's going to score. He just, he's not, he doesn't have real off games as far as scoring. He always <laughs> scores. But slowing them down is definitely the key. I, for my projection, have this one going seven. Wow. Um, I like that. But I think we lose. I do think we lose. Um, but what a statement that would be to take the Rockets and the best team in the NBA to seven games. Yeah. For a team that's supposed to be rebuilding and is led by a rookie and a 25-year-old French dude. Yeah. I, I, you know, that, that would be amazing. That really would. And, I mean... It'd be awesome if we could get one of these two games at home and go back to Houston 2-2. I mean, that would be huge because nobody in their right mind is picking that. I can guarantee you that. Nobody is picking that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. There's a, a lot of things, you know, still to happen. But uh, game game three is tomorrow night. 8.30 Mountain Time on ESPN. You know, I will definitely be watching. I'm wearing my Donovan Mitchell jersey. Jazz all the way. Man, it's it's a it's a it's a really fun time to be a jazz jazz fan right now. It really is. Yes, sir, it is. So 
how long until we take that next step to close this this episode out? How long until we can challenge Golden State and Houston and Cleveland legitimately and bring a championship to Utah? Man, that's that's tough. Um, I would say we are one to two players away from doing that, and I think we need, you know. I think we need two more years and we and we will have, you know, the players have specifically Donovan getting enough time to understand how things work, getting them, you know, figuring everything out in the NBA, adding one or two more pieces to our roster, really solidifying Rudy as the best player in the defensive, the best player defensively in the NBA year in and year out, getting the respect he deserves. Quinn Snyder being recognized as, you know, one of the top coaches in the league. And I, th- I think we've got a chance, you know. I mean, we went to the Western Conference Finals with a much less impressive roster when Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer were on the team. Yeah, for sure. I think we need next year, and then the year after that we'll have a shot. Um, if we stay on this this kind of track right now, it'll be fun to watch. I've never, obviously, I didn't really get to watch Dr. Malone, but I've never had as much fun as I have this year playing with these guys, watching these guys play. Um, it's It's been a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm really excited uh, for the next few years just because our core is so young, and we're playing so well together, and dudes are just so unselfish right now that it, it, it's looking good for us here in, or in Utah. I agree. I I hope we're both right. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope we are too. So, game three tomorrow night, Salt Lake City, just like you said. And uh, we will be watching. I hope you, all you guys are watching out there too. Thank you for uh, putting up for the with the long delay. We will try to get one out. We will be doing a podcast at the latest <laughs> the middle of next week. We'll get another one out to you guys, fresh out the oven. We know that there's just so much demand for these podcasts. If you listen all the way to the end of this, congrats. You're our new best friend. And uh, we will see you next time on Barton's Breakdown. Go Jazz.